Yes, yes, yes. What is going on? It is your morning ritual with me, Garrett Lewis, KNST AM 792, Tucson's most stimulating talk. There are three things I think you need to know. Number one, the Trumpster, as we speak, meeting with Vladimir Putin. And uh, they're going to have a press conference, we think, in about uh, 39 minutes. So we're going to carry that for you. Uh, it's where we'll be told, could give or take a few minutes here or there. Uh, but it's kind of a big deal. So, uh, you know, until it starts getting boring, but that's kind of a big deal. So we'll bring it to you here on KNST AM 790. Uh, second thing, and they're meeting in Hell Seeking Finland. Uh, second thing I think you need to know, the Trumpster, of course, made the media flip out because he said the EU is a foe. A foe? What? Of course, he said, I'm talking about in terms of trade. Doesn't matter. They're a, he's a, the foe. How can you how can you put the EU into the same category as Russia or China, as he likes to say? Uh huh. Really? That's what you're going to go with. Uh, third thing, I think you need to know. I found this to be very, very, very telling. Uh, Democratic Senator Joe Manchin in West Virginia. I want to talk about a a rift that the media doesn't want to really talk about very much. Um, Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin told uh, Chuck Schumer to kiss his. You know what? what when it comes to voting for the Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, he basically said, I'm not going to go with you. You think we're going to hold strong? I want to get reelected. That's basically what he's saying. So uh, some major, major infighting in the Democratic Party, which, uh, again, if this happened to the Republicans, the media would lead with it. So they're going to try to ignore it. Three things that I think you need to know. So we have that, which is, uh, which is nice. Now, um, uh, I watched early, early, early this morning, probably about two hours ago, Trump and Putin addressing the media. They could take their pictures, go from there. They did that stuff while, uh, yeah, well, they're getting ready to get into some closed door meetings. And they both had this look on their face of, mm-hmm, like the poker face, mm-hmm, especially Putin, especially Putin. Um, I heard in the news, uh, yeah, Jeff Flake, uh, of course, commenting again. Or And I think he was doing that on the uh, the floor of the Senate. But anyway, saying how insane it is that uh, that the president say nice things about Vladimir Putin and blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah, Jeff Flake has no clue what the real world is actually like. No clue. You think Trump thinks Putin's a good guy? He wants to get a deal. This is what happens when you have absolutely zero. Well, the, o- the only business background that jeff flake seems to have is hiring illegal aliens to work his family ranch that's it nothing else mccain is tweeting and by the way it, it's time for mccain to just you know it, it's after the whole deadline step aside the guy won't even he can't go to work the guy's battling brain cancer but he his ego is still too damn big for him to resign because he still wants to remain relevant in his own mind by taking shots at trump on twitter about this meeting with putin uh you know coming from a guy that uh, that lost overwhelmingly to Obama and has been wrong. I think on everything when it comes to foreign policy, uh, you know, the guy's got some, um, some stupid guts, stupid guts. So, uh, he, he just enough, enough. Um, we have the sound bites ready to go. Michael, Michael Goodrich is in for uh, Ryan. Ryan continues to be on vacation, which once again, let me remind you, no vacation for his wife, no vacation for his wife. Uh, let's play the first one. This was very interesting. Uh, on CBS, Trump did an interview, uh, and it aired uh, yesterday morning. And it, what's funny is that uh, 
you know, the media is making a big deal of what he said first because the uh, the reporter or the anchor guy, whatever the, whatever the guy's name is now, that you know, who is anchoring CBS Evening News. Nobody cares about the Evening News anymore. Nobody watches it under the age of seventy five. So anyway, um, the guy's like, uh, "Hey, are you going to ask Putin to hand over those twelve Russians that were indicted?" Trump's like, "I didn't think of that." How do you not think of that? What an idiot! What a moron! You think he wants to give away his plan? You think he wanted to, he wants to give that away? And so Trump gives the yeah, I didn't think of that. How stupid he be! By the way, do you think that Putin's going to gladly just give over these twelve people? Yeah, uh huh. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say you stop doing this. You stop doing that. You stop, uh, you know, giving chemical weapons to Assad to kill people in Syria. You stop meddling here. Yeah, that's exactly how it's going to happen. I mean, what is? There's a lot wrong with these people. Anyway, I want you to hear, uh, that was the question. Here's what Trump said in response. Here we go. To send them here. Well, I might. I hadn't thought of that, but I certainly I'll be asking about Caribbean. it. But again, this was during the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. This all happened under the Obama administration. That's what it comes down to. This all happened under the Obama administration. So that's what, uh, that, that, and that's the point of this stuff. It all happened under the Obama administration. Trump brings that up. You notice nobody in the media talks about that. They want to blame Trump for all this stuff, the, the hacking that apparently the, uh, the Russians did. Again, it all took place under Obama. And somehow the media is trying to tie it to Trump, and it's Trump this and Trump that and Trump that. And, and again, at the same time, it happened under Obama. And they don't even say a word like, why didn't you stop this? They want to go after, um, they want to go after Trump in that aspect. But they, they, they're, they, don't even, they don't have a response to what Trump said, and Trump tweeted that, by the way, over the weekend. He said, I don't, I don't understand why. Like, what? I don't get it. This Russia hacking took place in September of 2016. Obama's still in office. They knew about all this stuff. The FBI knew about it. You don't think that, and it says here, it was reported Obama was informed by the FBI in September before the election. Why didn't the Obama administration do something about it? They don't want you to know that because they don't want any, anything except Trump, bad guy, Trump, Russia, Russia, bad, Trump, Trump, bad, Russia, Russia, bad, Trump, bad, there. That's all they care about. So, uh, again, Trump said going into the meeting uh, with Putin today, low expectations. I, uh, I, I don't, I'm going in with low expectations. Let's see what happens. And then, you know, think about it. This guy is setting the, uh, the bar of how hard to work. Last month, he meets with Kim Jong-un. This month, uh, it was Kim Jong-un and uh, the G7 summit. Uh, this month, it's NATO and it's Putin. And he's meeting with all these leaders all over the place. He just doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. He thrives on this stuff, right? Who works this hard? Who does? I, it's, it's amazing what we're seeing happen right before our eyes. Absolutely amazing. Uh, and then there are stories I saw. Uh, this actually came out this morning. We have the Trump situation going on. The economy is literally on fire right now. And this was one of the, th- you know, possibly one of the three things. I may add it. Uh, but I heard it on Fox, and it's there. Strong retail sales. Re- 
They have this strong retail sales suggest robust economic growth in the second quarter. Apparently, it was revised higher in May, 1.3% instead of 0.8. So um, we have jobs. We have people with money. We have people uh, having more confidence. So we have sales up. And by the way, retail sales in June increased 6.6% from a year ago. Hello, tax cuts. Hello, jobs. Hello, stableness. Uh, and there's something else, by the way, the economy. The economy is just you just you're flourishing. Um, the America, this was from Fox News Research. Americans that were working part-time job hours, or part-time because hours were cut back or they couldn't find a full-time job, in June of 2010 was 8.6 million. Eight years later, now under Trump, 4.7 million. It's dropped by almost 4 million, 3.9 million people. 3.9 million fewer people are working part-time because they have full-time jobs. Lowest number since December of 07. That's when the economy was just starting to, the nosedive was, was happening at a very rapid pace. So it's roaring. And yet there's a story in Politico. Is this the year Arizona finally turns blue? And they, I love it. Powered by a Latino electorate fired up by Trump. They just might do it. Really? So Latinos don't like the money. They don't like security. Apparently every Latino only wants illegal aliens and open borders. So the economy is crushing it. Trump is crushing it. And yet the Democrats, which want to get rid of ICE and want open borders, don't want any protection. This is what they're going with. This Again, this just to say that you're Latino, this is the reason you want this, is, uh, is disgusting and sad. But again, that's just me. We have more sound bites to play coming up uh, because there were some real big doozies. Real big doozies uh, that, that not only the Trumpster said, uh, but also that uh, we got to play the the, the latest, um, I, I guess, mascot, mascot face, whatever you want to call it, face of the Democratic Party, that socialist chick from New York. Holy clueless Batman, what she said about Israel and Palestine and everything else. And she wants to literally run. She wants to she wants to be in Congress and they're praising her as a future of the party. You know what? We're going to do that coming back. I know Trump said stuff, but this is one of the craziest things. The Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, what she said, and then she made a fool of herself. Oh, this is one of the best ever. One of the best ever. We'll get to that coming up. It is your morning ritual. And again, don't forget, Trump-Putin press conference, probably in about a half hour. KNST AM 790, Tucson's most stimulating talk. Hi, 629. Thanks for hanging out. Gary Lewis with you here. Uh, on KNSC, 78 degrees outside right now. We're going to be 93 uh, storms, thunderstorms throughout the day. We could have some late tonight as well. Same thing tomorrow and Wednesday. And then it may uh, dry up as the week progresses, which would be nice, which would be nice. But we do enjoy that rain, don't we? Um, again, the Putin-Trump press conference, maybe in about 20 minutes. So we're going to try to get through a bunch of commercials to, uh, to get as much as we can to you because we still have to pay bills. You know what I'm saying? We still have to pay bills. Uh, really quick, though. Uh, Goodrich, let's play number 17. Do you Alexandria, you got to hear this. Alexandria um, Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, this is a, off the Trump topic for just a second, but this is the Democratic Party for you, okay? She's on uh, some PBS show with Margaret Hoover. Firing line or some crap like that, blah, 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 blah. This is the 28-year-old socialist that beat the incumbent Democratic Congressman Joe Crowley. And uh, they're talking about Israel, right? Talk about Israel, and she, of course, doesn't like Israel and is all about Palestine. 
But you got to hear this to believe it. Here we go. I also think that what people are starting to see, at least in, in the occupation uh, of, of Palestine, is um, just an, an increasing crisis of humanitarian condition. And that, to me, is just where I tend to mm -hmm. come from on this issue. You use the term the occupation of Palestine. Mm -hmm. What did you mean by that? Oh, um... Well, pause, because she has no idea. I think it, what I meant is, like, the, the settlements that are increasing but in, I like in some meant. of these areas and, and places where, um, where Palestinians are experiencing uh, difficulty in access to uh, their housing and homes. Do you think you can expand on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd also just, I, I am not the expert on geopolitics on this issue. Oh, wow. So Israel's terrible. Palestinians are being occupied. But I'm not the expert on this issue. That's the new face of the Democratic Party right there, according to the head of the DNC, Tom Perez. That, that's what it is. Um, yeah, so like when I hang out with my, my friends in like college and stuff, like we just say down with Israel because like the cool thing to say. Of course, you have no idea that the Palestinians uh, attack the Israelis and the Israelis defend themselves, but no, it doesn't matter. That's, that's the genius of the Democratic Party right now. Are you flipping kidding me? Uh, yeah. I'll put that video on my page at knst.com uh, because it's, it's that good. It is that good. Uh, all right, so we have uh, much more to talk about. I even have some, uh, some more sound bites uh, about uh, the Trumpster, about what's going on with Putin, what the New York Times did, which is kind of, kind of sickening, how they, uh, they drew up a cartoon about the president and Putin. We'll get to that as well. Don't go anywhere. Putin and Trump, maybe about 18 minutes, we'll have to see. Uh, let me tell you about Zero Res. Zero Res celebrating National Carpet Cleaning Month. And Zero Res, you've heard me for years, I hope, tell you about their powered water. They don't use soaps. They don't use chemicals, detergents, that kind of stuff. Um, nothing like that. No harsh chemicals, no detergents. They use this powered water. It acts just like it, but it's it's just powered, wa powered, water, uh, powered water. That's all it is. It gets in there. It cleans. It sanitizes. And since it works just like the soaps and the detergents, but it doesn't leave the residue behind, they only have to use half the amount of water. So it dries more quickly. There's no residue left over. So you're not going to have residue left, which attracts dirt like a magnet. And that's what makes high traffic areas look even worse than, than before. And there's no crunchy carpet. There's no chemical smell. Nothing like that. So listen, to celebrate, Zero Res is giving away gallon jugs of powered water. Every Saturday between 10 a.m. and noon, at their office on Prince and I-10. I've told you about powered water for years. Go get it. Try it for yourself. I get an extra jug every time they clean my carpet, and I use it to clean my bathroom, countertop, because it cleans and it sanitizes, again, without soaps and detergents. It's so good. So go get your free gallon this Saturday between 10 a.m. and noon at their office on Prince and I-10, right? Go find out more information by going to ZeroResTucson.com, you can call it 441-2441 and get three rooms of carpet Zero Resified for just 99 bucks. ZeroResTucson.com. 641, thanks for hanging out. Garrett Lewis with you. Three things I think you need to know right now. Number one, the Trumpster is meeting with Putin in uh, Helsinki, and they should be having a press conference. Uh, again, you never know what time it's going to start, but it's going to start at, uh, at some point, maybe even... Uh, in about 10 minutes, and we're going to bring it to you here on KNST AM 790. Uh, second thing that I think you need to know uh, is that the economy is looking pretty good. Uh, retail sales rose solidly in June, so that suggests a robust economic growth. Robust economic growth in the second quarter. 
So we'll see what happens uh, with that. Third thing I think you need to know, uh, we'll go with this. Uh, Apparently the Chamber of Commerce firing off their first uh, retaliation toward uh, the Invest for Ed group. And uh, they basically uh, they basically called the Red for Red or the Invest for Ed movement uh, led by socialists. That's right. That's because of Noah Carvelis, the guy that's in charge of it. Um, the Arizona Chamber of Commerce said the leader of the movement uh, pushes a socialist agenda. But then, of course, in typical wuss fashion, they walked it back. Why would you do that? Three things I think you need to know. We'll get more into that. But it's true. It, it, it is a socialist agenda in that aspect. So the New York Times, um, which is uh, fake news, by the way. <laughs> I just like saying that. New York Times uh, puts a, uh, a cartoon up. Uh, they did this because Trump's meeting with Putin. You know, they one of these political cartoons. Um, and in the, uh, the cartoon of New York Times Opinion, they tweeted out at New York Times Opinion, NYT Opinion on Twitter. They put uh, Trump and Putin... Riding on a unicorn together over rainbows, and Trump is wearing some uh, tidy whities. Putin is wearing just pants. Trump has the uh, like the Chippendales bow tie on because he's wearing just tidy whities, no shirt, just the bow tie going around his neck. Uh, they have them to kissing. There's another episode where they're kissing, uh, and they basically put them out to be lovers. Interesting. Did they not have the same kind of political cartoon about uh, Obama and the leaders of Iran as gay lovers? Why does it have to be a gay thing, by the way? Can't guys like each other and not be gay? No, no way. Like men and women can't be friends. A guy can't be friends with another guy unless it's sexual. Is that what it, okay. Oh, man. This, this is, uh, I don't think this is anti-gay, but I'll tell you this. If there was some kind of conservative outlet that put down some kind of you may, maybe back when remember when Obama was caught on the hot mics right before the election in 2012 and he told uh, Medvedev hey uh, after I win this re-election I'll have much more flexibility please please uh, please pass that on I'll transmit that to Vladimir that's that what was what was said uh, why didn't they do that huh nothing funny how that works right yeah yeah uh, what what makes me laugh is everybody's an expert on this. Everybody's an expert. Uh, I want to play for you um, former Governor Bill Richardson, who couldn't uh, negotiate anything with Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un's dad, I should say. Uh, he did go, he, did, he was sent over there by Bill Clinton when he was president, tried to get some people out, but whatever. Here's Bill Richardson on uh, CNN this morning. Um, and Allison Camerata said, help us manage our expectations. What is possible to come out of this meeting? What are you looking to see? And this is what uh, Huckabee had, I'm sorry, here's what uh, Bill Richardson had to say. What I wanted uh, more than anything as an American, not just as a former, Dem- as a Democrat or Republican, is the president saying to Putin, what you did in meddling in our election is unacceptable. I want an assurance that it'll never happen again. Do you think he's not going to say that? Do you think he's just going to let it go? Like, these people are so sick in the head, they think that he's going to be okay with that. But again, like Trump said in his tweet and what he told uh, CBS News, this whole hacking thing that 12 Russians were indicted on on Friday, this all happened under Obama. Why didn't Obama do anything about it? 
right? Why didn't they do that? I want to make sure that doesn't happen again. You you can't meddle. You can't. So you're going to tell a KGB killer, and he's going to say that, by the way, because here's the thing, and this is what, why don't they ever talk about this? Um, We are crushing Russia's economy with sanctions. What Putin wants is the sanctions to be lifted. Trump has hand, right? Trump has hand. So he wants that to take place. You got to, you know, we can't get any investment. We can't move money. Can't do anything like that. Well, guess what? You messed with us. And, and apparently Trump knew about the indictments before he left to go to the NATO meetings. Uh, he and Rosenstein met and Rosenstein told him we're going to indict 12 Russians. That gives the president even more power because he doesn't have to just say it. He goes, hey, look, we got it again. You deny it, you keep denying it, we're not going to do anything for your country. Everybody acts as if Trump isn't going to say these things. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's truly remarkable. It really is. And then, like, okay, I'll give you some more stupidity. Right? Everybody's an expert. Everybody's an expert. Um, can you play number 15? Elizabeth Boomler, I guess, whatever, New York Times, uh, whatever her name is. She, I, this still, maybe you can explain this to me. It still literally makes no sense. She's with the New York Times. She was on ABC this week. Um, and she said, uh, about, um, what the Russian goal was when they tried to meddle in our campaigns. Here we go. And by the way, the intelligence agencies in January of 2017 found that the, the goal of the Russians was to help Donald Trump as well as to hurt Hillary Clinton. First off, the same intelligence agencies that were spying on Trump, that were sending text messages to each other, the people that work for those agencies, like the FBI, saying that we're going to get him, we're, we're going we're to stop him, we won't let this happen, all the meetings. Oh, yeah, you got to trust those bigwigs up there in those intelligence agencies. And then on top of that, why in the hell would Putin not want Hillary there? Hillary didn't want to drill. All Russia has is energy, oil and natural gas. Hillary wanted to shut down coal, shut down oil. She never would have let drilling happen. Trump opened Anwar. Why would, why would Putin want to stop someone from winning that would let him dominate the energy market? It makes no sense. And these people go on TV and people think they're experts. It's insane. But that's, uh, that's what you get. That's what you get. All right, we're going to take an early break. Uh, 6.48 now on KNST AM 70, just by a couple of minutes, because uh, we're told that uh, this... This press conference can start any minute now. So uh, the Trump-Putin press conference, as long as it's okay. If it gets boring, we'll get out of it. But this is kind of a big deal. So we'll get to that coming up, uh, as well as uh, some more sound bites of experts thinking they know what to do and why. another reason why Trump refused to get a question from CNN. What are they, let's hear what they said about Trump this past weekend. That's coming up. KNST AM 790, Tucson's most stimulating talk when it, when it comes to these kinds of meetings. I think you have to have the confidence, right? Um, you have to have the kind of confidence to, uh, I mean, because the, these, are, these are stone-cold killers that you're dealing with. Kim Jong-un, Vladimir Putin. You have to have the conf- kind of confidence and the preparation to, uh, to know you're going to get your way. But it, it is kind of surreal, isn't it? I mean, it's like life or death situations and the world hanging in the balance in that aspect. Um. It's, uh, it's, again, it's, it's surreal. 
It's surreal. Anyway, um, there's uh, there's much more. I want you to hear uh, because apparently the big controversy over the weekend for those that care, if you care or not. I just find it to be hilarious. Um, CNN got mad that John Bolton was pulled out of an interview. Trump wouldn't take a question from Jim Acosta at CNN. We played it on Friday. He said, no, no, you're fake news. No, no. And he tried to get in there and kind of hijack the questions and stuff like that. Uh, if you want to know why Trump doesn't like CNN, let's play number 16. This is Phil Mudd, a paid CNN commentator, talking about uh, Trump and his views on uh, immigration and things like that. Just listen to this. Here we go. It's not about culture. This is about race. I guess if we don't want immigration in the United States, we get rid of Little Italy. We get rid of Irish out of uh-huh. Boston. We get rid of Mexicans out of the Southwest. We get rid of Asian Americans out of the West Coast. And in my hometown, which was revitalized in the 1960s and 70s by Cubans, they got to go home too. The difference here that he's talking about and that I see this as a white guy is it's brown people and black people who are going into Europe. People from embattled states in Africa and people from the Syrian conflict. If we want to talk about this straight, we shouldn't talk about culture. We ought to talk about race. It's a white guy who's a rich guy from Manhattan saying, I don't like people coming in who don't look like that, like us. That's what I see here, Jake. It's because you're a dope. So why would Trump ever want to take any questions, right? Any questions at all um, from CNN? The kind of disrespect that's there? Are you kidding me? Uh, by the way, really funny, Hillary Clinton. Sends out a tweet. Great World Cup. Question for President Trump as he meets Putin. Do you know which team you play for? This is the woman that approved the sale of uranium to Uranium One, a Russian-owned company. They were able to buy American uranium. She let it happen as her husband got paid mega six-figure deals to give speeches for 20 minutes. From Russia. Yeah. Yeah, and this is this is what Hillary does. This is the best that she can do. All right, we're going to have more. I have more crazy sound bites, uh, including, by the way, John Bolton asked by an ABC guy, why why did you uh, why were you not allowed to talk to CNN? And don't you think that's kind of crazy? But John Bolton owned him. We'll get to that and the latest on again Trump and Putin. They should be having a press conference coming up very soon. You'll hear it right here on KNST. Don't go anywhere. What's up? It's 707. It's Monday, July 16th. And it's your morning ritual. With me, Garrett Lewis, KNST AM 790, Tucson's most stimulating talk. Three things I think you need to know. Number one, as I speak to you, the Trumpster and Putin are meeting face to face. Who knows what's going on in there? You imagine what's going on inside that thing? So they are meeting face to face and they're going to have a press conference soon. It was supposed to happen 20 minutes ago. Uh, I guess the talks are extending. I'm looking at a shot right now. The media is starting to get in to uh, the room, which means I guess it'll start at some point soon. They get warnings. We'll bring it to you live right here on KNST AM 790. Second thing that I think you need to know, the economy is cooking right now. Strong retail sales reported suggests we could have major economic growth in the second quarter. It's a pretty good thing. Plus, there was a research done by Fox News Research. They tweeted out, the amount of people working part-time, part-time, in 2010, compared to now, it's dropped 3.9 million. It's the lowest, we have the lowest number of people. We, it is really incredible stuff, what is going on. We have the lowest number of people working part-time instead of full-time since 2007. It's dropped by 3.9 million in eight years. 
Third thing that I think you need to know, uh, the Arizona Chamber of Commerce firing off shots at the Red for Red, Invest invest for Red. Arizona Chamber of Commerce uh, called out one of the leaders of the movement, Noah Carvelis, who, if you can tell by his tweets, we've talked about it, the dude's a socialist, flat-out socialist. Um, and Arizona Chamber of Commerce fired off some um, some messages saying that he is pursuing a socialist agenda. 470-word release shows several times Carvelis used socialism, the Socialism Conference 2018, to kick off Invest in Ed ballot measure campaign. But then when asked about it, the Arizona Chamber of Commerce kind of walked it back, which I don't know why. I mean, what kind of wimps are they? That's why the Republican Party has lost for a long time until Trump. Three things I think you need to know. Um, now, the Trumpster and Putin walked into uh, this room in Helsinki, Finland, about three hours ago. Trump said some things, and Putin said some things. They just kind of sat there stoically. It's a big meeting. Throw me up over there if you don't mind, Goodrich. Michael Goodrich is in for Ryan. He doesn't get back till next Tuesday. Got to check that guy's vacation. I can't believe I approved that. So, all right, here we are this morning. This is, again, uh, about three hours ago. The Trumpster asked by the media, what do you think you're going to talk about? Blah, blah, blah. Listen to this. Here we go. Importantly, we have a lot of good things to talk about and things to talk about. We have uh, discussions on everything from trade to military to missiles to nuclear to China. China to, we'll be talking a little bit about China. Our mutual friend, President Xi. And the media is already like, why didn't he talk about the meddling? You know what's funny? The media still thinks that the meddling is the reason that Trump won and Hillary lost. They still think that. Again, the indictment that came down on Friday, Rosenstein said no Americans involved and there's no evidence this changed any vote count. These, the, whatever these 12 guys, we accuse them of doing, these Russians, there's no evidence that it had any impact on the actual Number of votes and who voted for whom and things like that. Nothing. Zero. Zip zilch. So he didn't he didn't say anything about uh, about the meddling. Do people really believe that he's going to get behind closed doors and not talk about that? I mean, does he think that? Again, just look at the media. You know the media coverage. You go back and forth. Obama lies about Fast and Furious, lies about Benghazi, sends Susan Rice out, she lies on five Sunday shows. Media, like, ignores it. They gloss over it. Uh, the whole email scandal with Hillary and everything else, they just softball that, man. They softball that. Uh, all the scandals that have happened, look at how differently they treat Trump and, and Obama. Big time different. Matter of fact, I came across a story. October 11, 2009, and this is for the media, this is for uh, our loser senator, Jeff Flake. You know, Jeff Flake gets his uh, panties in a wad when Trump says the media is the enemy of the people. Hmm. I don't remember Jeff Flake ever getting upset at Obama and his White House declaring war on Fox News, do you? Do you? Uh, here's a story from October 11, 2009, when Brian Stetler was only writing for the New York Times. Now he has a show that many people don't watch on CNN. So um, 
The title of this story, October 11, 2009, New York Times, Fox's volley with Obama intensified. Okay. Attacking the news media as a time-honored White House tactic, but to an unusual degree, the Obama administration has narrowed its sights to one specific organization, the Fox News Channel, calling it, in essence, part of the political opposition. What? What? Anita Dunn, remember that name, White House Communications Director, in a phone interview, told Stetler, quote, we're going to treat them the way we would treat an opponent. As they are undertaking a war against Barack Obama in the White House, we don't need to pretend that this is the way that legitimate news organizations behave. Uh, did you hear a big outroar? Uh, up, you know, maybe Fox News is upset. I get it. Just like CNN is upset at what Trump is doing to them. I get it. But the media acts as if this is something that's brand new. That's never happened before. Ever. And by the way, Fox loved it. Michael Clemente. Senior VP of News for Fox put out a statement. Instead of governing, the White House continues to be in campaign mode and Fox News is the target of their attack mentality. Perhaps the energy would be better spent on the critical issues that voters are worried about. See, Fox handled it the right way. CNN cries about it. Just wanted to bring that up one more time because, uh, again, this... The media, I don't know if they have memory loss, selective memory. I don't know what the problem, they just hate Trump and they want to just try to tell you what you need to think, which is what Mika's face said. Remember that one? Yeah. So anyway, we have that. Uh, there's more from the uh, the Trumpster uh, this morning with Vladimir Putin. Am I up over there, Goodrich? Uh, listen to this. And I really think the world wants to see us uh, get along. We are the... Two great nuclear powers. We have 90% of the nuclear, and that's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. And I think we uh, hopefully can do something about that because it's not a positive force. It's a negative force. So we'll be talking about that, among other things. Among other things, as if it never even happened. Among other things. Uh, Putin's sitting there, by the way, just sitting there leaning back. Kind of gives a nod. Yeah, I mean, Trump said this, uh, this terrible thing for the world and looked at him, and Putin just... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's amazing, the body language, how they measure each other up. I mean, what do you think they do beforehand when they, they have all their handlers around them? And uh, Putin has much more experience as a KGB agent hating America because we defeated the Soviet Union. He's trying to build it back up. Um, do you think that he gets advice or he is trained in how to do this? And then Trump, all of his years as a businessman, poker face on saying certain things to get reactions out of people to try to get a better deal for himself. I mean, you have these two forces that are just going at it. Uh, it really, I mean, it, it's, it's, like a, uh, it's like a TV show or, or a movie, isn't it? You could comment, by the way, if you'd like, 880-KNST, 880-5678. Um, what do you think of this whole situation? The preparation for it. Um, it's, it's just, it's just really incredible as to, uh, to see these two guys just go toe to toe in that aspect. Um, so anyway, the hackers are there. And I guess when this, with, there's other things to talk about when this comes up, uh, we will, uh, we will get to it. The, the journalists are kind of moseying around the room. So obviously this meeting is going longer than they expected. And I don't care what anybody says. They're filling time on TV, trying to act as if they know what's going on. 
as if they know what this means. Is this a good sign or a bad sign? We just don't know. Uh, notice, by the way, the media never bringing up um, Kennedy meeting with Khrushchev and how Kennedy was literally destroyed. He called the, lo- the longest couple of days of his life because Khrushchev just annihilated him, and that led to the, uh, the Bay of Pigs invasion. So anyway, um, they don't want to bring that part up, but Trump is the worst person ever in that aspect, okay? Worst person ever. So we'll continue. Uh, 880-KNST, 880-5678. We have this to talk about. We also talk about, speaking of the media attacks, um, John Bolton asked, why were you, by ABC, like ABC cares. This is how much it is. Like, this is competition. I would never promote another radio station. ABC actually asked John Bolton, why would you not talk to CNN? I mean, they should be happy. They didn't get Bolton. You want to see him? You got to go to ABC. We'll, We'll get that for you coming back and reaction. And again, once this, Press conference starts. We'll bring it to you right here. KNST AM 790, Tucson's most stimulating talk. 724, Gary Lewis with you. KNST AM 790. Going to be 93 thunderstorms today. A little overcast. Looks like it's starting to burn through a little bit, but it's going to be cloudy throughout the day. Um, Now, again, uh, the media seems to be piling in the room where Trump and Putin are going to come out of, where they've been meeting, and they're supposed to have this, we were told, uh, about 35 minutes ago. So they were meeting for extra time. Uh, who knows what that means? If anybody tells you they do know, they're lying. So um, just remember that, okay? Uh, really quick, the media. Oh, the media. Let's go back to the sound bites real quick, uh, Michael. Then we have some other stuff to play before we uh, take the, the press conference for you. Let's play the, uh, the sound bite again. So uh, Jim Acosta acts like a jerk at the uh, Trump May press conference. So apparently John Bolton, again, Acosta works for CNN. So John Bolton... Part of the Trump administration was supposed to do an interview about this meeting with Putin on CNN, and uh, the White House canceled it, said that uh, they canceled it because CNN and Acosta disrespected Trump. So Bolton goes on ABC. This is how connected and sick the media is. Now, ABC should be happy. Ha, ha, ha. You guys at CNN didn't get Bolton. We got him here. It's a win for us. But the media showed their cards again because on ABC, they asked John Bolton, why were you canceled on CNN? Who the hell cares? So the answer that Bolton give was, gives, uh, gives was, is fantastic. You have it ready to go. Okay, here we go. Listen to this. John Carl. I characterized your question. Okay, well, y- you were also scheduled to appear on CNN this morning, and the White House press secretary announced that your appearance would not go forward uh, because a CNN reporter, quote, disrespected the president and Prime Minister May at the joint press conference. Is it really appropriate to deny a news organization access to a White House official because a reporter tried to ask a question at a press conference? Uh, look, in reality, I, I don't seek out the press. I don't talk to them. I, I, I uh, appear when I'm, I'm asked to, and if I'm, not, if I'm not asked to appear, I don't do it. And I don't communicate with them either, as you could find out if you consulted your friends in the Washington Press Corps whom I don't communicate with. <laughs> I don't talk to anybody. So just deal with it, okay? I mean, but like the media, again, teaming up to try to do something to take a shot at Trump. You know, normally it's like, hey, I got the exclusive. I gotcha. It's competition. I don't, maybe I'm old school and I'm only 41, but that's just how bad they, that these, these people are. It's how bad. That's why I brought up the, uh, the, a few minutes ago, the story from the New York Times in 2009, how the Obama White House, the New York Times had a story, the Obama White House declares war on Fox News. This is not new. Not at all. All right, before we get to uh, 
before we get to the uh, the press conference, uh, I haven't done a lot of school stories in a while. We're getting ready. We're just a few weeks away from what U of A starting again, Pima Community College starting again, all the colleges, right? If you're listening, I heard uh, radio app up in the Phoenix area, ASU, of course, uh, and then the Tree Huggers up at NAU. So uh, there's a story from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. This is how insane it is. Pronouns. That's the biggest thing you know, on college campuses. Nobody can, it's, it's, you could actually major in something that doesn't get you a job, which should be the big, big story on college campuses. Wasteful spending, stupid majors, that kind of stuff, right? Instead, they're talking about pronouns, right? Pronouns. He, she, or they. How do you want to identify? That's it. Now, there's a policy on the University of Minnesota campus that if you use the wrong kind of pronoun, you could be fired. You could literally be, you could be, you could look at this person and it's a man and you see it's a guy. It's obvious. And if you use a pronoun that refers to that person as a man, if they don't like it, you could be fired. Yep. University of Minnesota considering a new gender identity policy that would assure transgender men and women, as well as others. What does that even mean? Others. Oh, LGBTQO. The right to use whatever pronoun they wish on campus. He, she, they, which is Z-E or Z, whatever whatever the hell this thing is. Right? Whatever it is. Everyone from professors to classmates would be expected to call them by the right words or risk potential disciplinary action. You could be fired. You could be, there could be expulsion. They did this. Because advocates say this will bar harassment and discrimination against transgender. And, of course, the gender nonconforming. Yes, the gender nonconforming. They want to stop people from misgendering. Misgendering. So if you see a guy named Mike, he looks like a Mike. Uh, Talks like a Mike. He has the Adam's apple like a Mike. But he says, no, I'm Linda. You... You could be fired for that. You could be fired for that. Yeah, this is insane. Uh, this is what they have to do on college campuses to make people feel better. I mean, it's like, the, again, they're just clueless. They're their own world, aren't they? You know they are. All right. Um, it says here, I, personal preference. This is from the University of Minnesota website, right? Um, you Personal pronoun. You could do he, him, his, none, prefer not to specify. That's just some of the stuff. Gender identity. This is new to me. Agender. Literally. One word. A-G-E-N-D-E-R. Agender. You could choose to be agender. Enter your own gender. But you make it up. You make up a gender. Gender nonconforming. Gender queer. There's a gender queer? Prefer not to specify. Two-spirit. I love that one. This is what it says. The Okay, you ready, you ready for the, uh, the choices? Agender. And to your own, gender nonconforming, gender queer, non-binary, prefer not to specify, two spirit, man, woman. The good old stuff, right? The good old stuff. Uh, this this is what it's come down to. All right, um, seven thirty now on KNST AM seven ninety. Maybe the Trump Putin press conference will start in the next few minutes. Keep it right here. We have other things to talk about as well. Uh, including um, another college story. I got to get another college story. 
Uh, and we'll get into the uh, Chamber of Commerce taking on the Invest for Ed movement. But another college story, one college is working to eliminate a certain group of people from a college campus. Guess who that is? Mm-hmm. Guess who that is? Uh, have you been feeling not like yourself? Have you been feeling uh, low energy? Uh, no drive in the bedroom? Uh, no drive to go work out, to exercise? And even if you do, you don't see any results? You can't lose any weight? Uh, go to Renewed Medical. Very important to go to Renewed Medical. Uh, Renewed Medical, Svetlana is the nurse practitioner. She helps men and women, by the way, men and women. But let me just tell you this. I've seen the pictures. I've read the stories. Uh, A lot of uh, TPD, Pima County Sheriff's uh, deputies, they go to Renewed Medical because these guys are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever it might be. And they're just mad that they can't see results anymore. Um, it, it doesn't have to be your bedroom thing. It doesn't, it, you might not have energy past one in the afternoon. Maybe you do, but maybe again, you just have trouble losing weight, gaining muscle. Everything is controlled by hormones. You can go get a workup from Svetlana at Renewed Medical on Broadway between Country Club and Tucson Boulevard. Um, she is very smart. Very, very smart. She actually goes the extra step. The labs that she does are much, much more detailed than what you get at a regular physical with your doctor. That's what, listen, she had no energy. She had no drive in the bedroom. She was told by her doctor, you have a young kid, you're a mom, it's okay. She says it's not normal. She did extra testing on herself, found out something was wrong with her thyroid. So listen, go get a free consultation, free screening. Men, women, go to Renewed Medical, talk to Svetlana, get back to your old self, be happy again. It is possible. Don't think it's normal to become a grouch as you get older. Renewed Medical on Broadway, between Country Club and Tucson Boulevard, call 298 005 298 Zero five and go to renewedmedicalhealth.com. Shun. Do it. 739. Garrett Lewis with you right here. Three things I think you need to know. Number one, the Trumps are meeting right now with Putin behind closed doors. They are, it's been uh, probably two and a half, almost three hours. Uh, they are going to have a press conference at some point this morning, if it happens during this show, and it was supposed to happen 50 minutes ago. Uh, more media is entering the room. We'll pl- we'll get it to you right here on KNST. Second thing that I think you need to know uh, is that the economy is literally on fuego. On fuego. June 2010, 8.6 million people work part-time because they could not find a full-time job where their hours are cut back. 8.6 million. Now, under Trump, eight years later, 4.7 million. Dropped almost 4 million people, lowest since December 2007. Uh, retail sales numbers out this morning. Uh, they were they were big. It's showing what experts call a uh, looks like a strong second quarter GDP number. So that's very 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 good. Third thing I think you need to know: the Arizona Chamber of Commerce came out and uh, went after the Invest in Ed people by saying the guy that's in charge of it, Noah Carvelis, uh, pushes socialist views. He's pushing socialism. That's what it comes down to. They they what they did was great. Uh, they publicly went after Invest for Ed, this whole ballot measure. Um, they ripped the guy for going to a socialism conference in Chicago and everything else. And then when the media called to say, can you clarify, they, they walked it back because they're wimps at the Arizona Chamber of Commerce. <clears throat> oh, yeah. They really are. Uh, it's it's kind of pathetic. They walked it back. The guy is a socialist. People need to know exactly what's going on here. Three things I think you need to know. Uh, horrible. Absolutely horrible. Um, now, just 
just really quick on this whole situation. I, I, I'm wondering as we get close to this press conference, what will the media ask? I mean, what can they ask? Um, did the media go after uh, Obama when Putin in, uh, invaded Crimea? Uh, did they go after Putin when he uh, when Obama was president? Did they go after Obama when Putin was working with Assad and gassing people? Did did that happen? It, it just it's amazing to me because the media is just ready, willing, and able to just try to do something to say that Trump is working with Putin, and that's why he won the election. Russia meddled. That's why Trump doesn't want to ask anything about it. These are these are boys. Everything else. Yet again, again, Obama was the president when Russia did cyber attacks on us, and he didn't do anything. As a matter of fact, do you remember the stand-down order? Do you remember that? Because just be prepared for the media to go after Trump in ways maybe that we haven't even seen before. But there was a story that came out last month, um, out of all people, Obama-friendly reporter Michael Isakoff wrote this for Yahoo News. Obama, Obama cyber chief confirms stand-down order against Russian cyber attacks in summer of 2016. And then we just had 12 Russians indicted on Friday trying to hack the DNC servers. And they did hack the DNC servers. Let me just take you back. The, White, the Obama White House's chief cyber official testified last month Proposals he was developing to counter Russia's attack on the American presidential election were put on a, quote, back burner, end quote, after he was ordered to, quote, stand down his efforts in the summer of 2016. Stand down. Michael Daniels, the guy's name, served as the White House cybersecurity coordinator between 2012 and January of last year. This is the first public confirmation of a much-discussed passage in the book, Russian Roulette, the Inside Story of Putin's War on America and the Election of Donald Trump. So Obama chose to not do anything to stop Russia from attacking us. You don't hear a lot about that, though, do you? You just hear these, these, these stories that the media wants to be true, that somehow Russia helped Trump. The view, it says here, that the Obama administration failed to adequately piece together intelligence about the Russian campaign. And develop a forceful response has clearly gained traction within the Intelligence Committee. Senator Mark Warner, Democrat, Virginia, ranking member, said in an opening statement, we were caught flat-footed at the outset, and our collective response was inadequate to meet Russia's ex- uh, escalation. So, I mean, it goes on. All this, all this stuff. Um, Victoria Newland, a witness, Assistant Secretary of State for Europe during Obama's administration, told this... This panel, she was briefed as early as December of 2015 about the hacking of the Democratic National Committee, long before senior DNC officials were aware of it. The intrusion had all the hallmarks of a Russian operation. And yet the media acts as if Obama was a saint. And he did everything he could. And Trump's letting it go. We need Trump to ask this and this and this. These same people that are on the TV all weekend long. We need Trump to demand the 12 Russians that we indicted are sent to us, that Russia gives them to us. We need to make sure that, that Trump says to Putin, you can't do this ever again. Why didn't Obama ever do it? And that's what Trump said over the weekend. Why didn't Obama ever do it? This is a big deal. It's a very big deal. You can comment if you like, 880-KNST, 880-5678.
if you want to know why Trump says the media is the enemy of the people, this is why. This is why. And yet they take everything he says out of context. Matter of fact, let's play, can we do number 12? Good, Rich, don't worry about that. We'll do, let's do number 12. Uh, this is Trump talking to CBS. It aired yesterday. Um, he's talking about uh, the European Union, Russia, China, just, and this made the media go, wait, what? Listen to this, here we go. You got to hang on, stop it and start all over. Go ahead. Well, I think we have a lot of foes. I think the European Union is a foe, what they do to us in trade. What? Now, you wouldn't think of the European Union, but they're a foe. Uh, Russia's a foe in certain respects. Uh, China's a foe uh, economically, certainly. Uh, they're a foe. But that doesn't mean they're bad. It doesn't mean anything. It means that they're competitors. They want to do well, and we want to do well. And And the media and the Dems freaked out. Oh, my God. You're calling the European Union a foe? Yeah. They got the upper hand. They wanted to make sure they beat us in trade. And we finally have, finally have a president that's saying enough is enough. No more. Matter of fact, that caught the uh, CBS guy by surprise. Let's do number 13. Number 13, this was his response. Wait, wait, wait. wait. As if they can't separate, right? They can't separate the situation um, with... The trade thing versus like a flat out enemy we're at war with you. They could be a foe. It's okay. Listen to this. Here we go. A lot of people might be surprised to hear you list the EU as a foe before China and Russia. No, I, I look at them all. Look, uh, EU is very difficult. In a trade sense, they've really taken advantage of us. And many of those countries are in NATO. So how is that hard to understand? I mean, it really isn't. It's not that hard to understand. But with... With the Trumpster, they take it out of context to make him seem like a big dope, and uh, and that's what you get. How can you say that about people that are our friends? Do your friends, again, would you be friends with people if they ripped you off? If you go out to dinner, I say this all the time, if you go out to dinner with these these people, and you order a cheeseburger, and they order a, fil- they order a filet, and they say, let's split the check, you're going to say, not so much. I ordered a $12 cheeseburger, you order a $38 filet. We're not going to split the check. Not going to happen. You're not foes, or are you? 748, we'll get reaction coming up. 880-KNST, 880-5678. we got to get to the Red Fred stuff, things like that. I just, I just wonder, after all the stuff that Putin has done, uh, and he did it on, under Obama's watch, right? And he did some stuff when Trump was president. And, you know, the, the rumors of uh, Russian agents going to England and uh, poisoning people. Okay. That's legitimate. It's legitimate. Uh, they need a lot more for us from us than we need from them. And I saw a story. Uh, Putin's actual approval dropped 15 points, which is remarkable to me. Uh, 15 points. People are upset with what he's doing domestically. There are no jobs. Uh, young people, like a 30 young people in Russia want to move out. They want to get out of that country. They see no future. So there's a brain drain happening. People are having kids. Their birth rate is dropping. Russia's in big trouble. Big trouble. We're putting the screws to them. As we should. Uh, 749. We'll continue. Uh, when this press conference starts, we will bring it to you. KNST AM 790, Tucson's most stimulating talk. All right. 756.
It's your morning ritual. Garrett Lewis, KNST AM 790, Tucson's most stimulating talk. Thank you for hanging out. Uh, Now, it is going to be 93 degrees today. Scattered thunderstorms tonight. Scattered thunderstorms as well in the low 80s right now. Uh, Cloudy, muggy, you're driving, you have a window, you see it. I get it. It's there. Uh, Apparently, this press conference is going to happen very, very, very soon. Uh, because they're, I'm getting flashed about that. Not like that kind of flash, but just media flash. So just take it down a notch. Okay, take it down a notch. So uh, when it does come up, we will uh, we'll bring it to you live. Um, now, um, when it comes to uh, and, and there's there's a lot to this story about uh, the invest in Ed. I think that the fact that really quick the invest in Ed is is looks like it's going to be on the ballot this November where the whole state can vote to increase taxes on 20,000 people to pay for education. Um, we got to be careful when it comes to this. You know what I know. Those people that have that money, they're going to take it and put it somewhere else. Because this is pretty decent increases to, to raise $690 bucks or about that to try to pay for education. Um, now, here's where the Chamber of Commerce went soft. Garrick Taylor, the Chamber of Arizona Chamber of Commerce, Senior VP of Government Relations, said he didn't believe the Invest in Ed campaign was, quote, part of a socialist plot, even though they put out a statement that said it was part of a socialist plot. Why can't people have the guts? Don't they see what Trump does? They have the, he has the guts to say things. People get it. They like it. They don't worry about hurting people's feelings. Chamber of Commerce, man, can they just continue to fail over and over and over again? All right, keep it right here. When Trump and Putin start, we'll bring it to you. Don't go anywhere. Do it 807. It is your morning ritual with me, Garrett Lewis, KNST AM 790, Tucson's most stimulating talk. Three things I think you need to know. Number one, Trump and Putin have met for uh, over four hours now, and uh, any minute now they're going to have a press conference where they talk about, I guess, what they talked about. They'll answer questions from the media. We're going to bring it to you live here on KNST AM 790. Second thing I think you need to know the economy is roaring right now, absolutely roaring. Retail sales report came out. It is up, suggesting uh, uh, big economic growth in our GDP for the second quarter. Big, big time, bigly, huge. Also, another indicator, um, the amount of people that are working part-time now because they couldn't get a full-time job or their hours are cut back. It was 8.6 million Americans in June of 2010. It has now dropped it eight years later to 4.7 million, lower since December of 2007. Dropped almost 4 million people. Third thing, I think you need to know, and there's a lot of stuff here, um, the uh, the Trumpster. This is just coming out, and we have a couple of things when it comes to polls. Uh, Trump's approval, 45%. 45%. That's, uh, that's what Rasmussen has, 45%. Uh, also, there's a story that I saw, Paul Bedard, Washington Examiner. Uh, pollsters say... Trump knows how to win would be 2020 liberal, quote, decisively, end quote. Uh, Zogby says that. Some people just don't know how to win. Trump does, which I think he proved that in the primaries last year. Uh, Three things I think you need to know. Now, um, uh, John Kelly and some other officials just walked out. Uh, We are waiting to hear uh, uh, and see uh, the Trumpster himself, along with Vladimir Putin, to find out exactly uh, what 
what was said, what was talked about. And again, this was supposed to be an hour and 20 minutes ago. They apparently had deep discussions about a lot of things. I wonder if they were by themselves or people in there or a little bit by themselves and a little bit with people in there. Um, What I don't think this is, you ever watch House of Cards? Really quick, Kevin Spacey, when he became the president, he, you know, scammed the system to become president and he went to go meet the tough Russian president and they met in Afghanistan and he looked like a fool. I don't think that's what's going to happen here. Raise that up over here. Put it up. Trump and Putin now get, approaching the microphones for the press conference live here on KNST. Shall we start working, I guess? Ladies and gentlemen. Переговоры с президентом Соединенных Штатов Америки, господином Дональдом Трампом, прошли в откровенной и деловой атмосфере. Считаю весьма успешными и полезными. Мы рассмотрели текущее состояние и перспективы российско-американских отношений, ключевые вопросы международной повестки дня. Всем очевидно, что двусторонние отношения переживают сложный период. Однако эти трудности, сложившаяся напряженная атмосфера, не имеют объективных причин. Холодная война закончилась, и эпоха острого идеологического противостояния двух стран ушла далеко. It's quite clear to everyone that the bilateral relationship are going through a complicated stage. And yet those impediments, the current tension, the tense atmosphere, essentially have no solid reason behind it. The Cold War is a thing of past. The era of acute ideological confrontation of the two countries is a thing of remote past, is a vestige of the past. The situation in the world changed dramatically. Today, both Russia and the United States face a whole new set of challenges. Those include a dangerous maladjustment of mechanisms for maintaining international security and stability, regional crises, the creeping threats of terrorism and transnational crime. It's the snowballing problems in the economy, environmental risks, and other sets of challenges. We can only cope with these challenges if we join the ranks and work together. Hopefully, we will reach this understanding with our American partners. Today's negotiations reflected our joint wish, our joint wish with President Trump to redress this negative situation in the bilateral relationship. Outline the first steps for improving this relationship to restore the acceptable level of trust and going back to the previous uh, level of interaction on all mutual interest issues. As major nuclear powers, we bear special responsibility for maintaining international security. vital, and we mentioned this during the negotiations, it's crucial that we fine-tune the dialogue on strategic stability and global security and non-proliferation of weapons of mass destruction. We submitted our American colleagues a note with a number of specific suggestions. 
We believe it necessary to work together further on to interact on the disarmament agenda, military and technical cooperation. This includes the extension of the strategic offensive arms limitation treaty. It's the dangerous situation with the global American anti-missile defense system. It's the implementation issues with the INF treaty. Of course, the agenda of non-placement of weapons in space. We favor the continued cooperation in counterterrorism and maintaining cybersecurity. And I'd like to point out specifically that our special services are cooperating quite successfully together. The most recent example is their operational cooperation uh, within the recently concluded World Football Cup. In general, the contacts among the special services should be put to a system-wide basis, should be brought to a systemic framework. I recall, I reminded President Trump about the suggestion to re-establish the working group on anti-terrorism. We also mentioned the plethora of regional crises. It's not always um, that our postures dovetail exactly, and yet uh, the overlapping and mutual interests abound. We have to look for points of contact and interact closer and a variety of inter international fora. Clearly, we mentioned the regional crisis, for instance, Syria. As far as Syria is concerned, the task of establishing peace and reconciliation in this country could be the first showcase example of the successful joint work. Russia and the United States apparently can act proactively and take assumed leadership in this issue and organize the interaction to overcome humanitarian crisis and help Syrian refugees to go back to their homes. In order to, to accomplish this level of successful cooperation in Syria, we have all the required components. Let me remind you that both Russian and American military acquired a useful experience of coordination of their action, established the operational channels of communication, which permitted to avoid dangerous incidents and unintentional collisions in the air and in the ground. Also, um, crushing terrorists in the southwest of Syria, the south of Syria, should be brought to the full compliance with the Treaty of 1974 about the separation of forces, about separation of forces of Israel and Syria. This will bring peace to Golan Heights and bring a more peaceful relationship between Syria and Israel and also to provide security of the State of Israel. Mr. President paid special attention to the issue during today's negotiations and I would like to confirm that Russia is interested in this development and this will act accordingly. Thus far, we will make a step toward creating a lasting peace. Thank you.
in compliance with the respective resolutions of uh, Security Council, for instance, the Resolution 338. We are glad that the Korean Peninsula issue is starting to resolve. To a great extent, it was possible thanks to the personal engagement of President Trump, who prefer, opted for dialogue instead of confrontation. You know, we also mentioned our concern about the withdrawal of the United States from the JCPOA. Well, uh, the U.S. Our U.S. counterparts are aware of our posture. Let me remind you that thanks to the Iranian nuclear deal, Iran became the most controlled country in the world. It's submitted to the control of IAEA. It effectively ensures the exclusively peaceful nature of the Iranian nuclear program and strengthens the non-proliferation regime. While we discussed the internal Ukrainian crisis, we paid special attention to the bona fide implementation of agreements by Kiev. At the same time, the United States could be more decisive in nudging the Ukrainian leadership and encourage it to uh, work actively in this. We paid more attention to economic ties and economic cooperation. It's clear that both countries, the businesses of both countries, are interested in this. American delegation was one of the largest delegations on the St. Petersburg Economic Forum. It featured over 500 representatives of American businesses. We agreed, me and President Trump, we agreed to create a high-level working group that would bring together captains of Russian and American business. After all, entrepreneurs and businessmen know better how to articulate this successful business cooperation will let them think and make their proposals and suggestions in this regard. Once again, President Trump mentioned the issue of the so-called interference of Russia in the American elections, and I had to reiterate things I said several times, including during our personal context, that the Russian state has never interfered and is not going to interfere into internal American affairs, including election process. Any specific material, if such things arise, we are ready to analyze together. For instance, we can analyze them through the joint working group on cybersecurity, the establishment of which we discussed during our previous contacts. And clearly, it's past time we restore our cooperation in the cultural area, in the humanitarian area. As far as I think you know that recently we hosted the American congressman delegation, and now it's perceived and portrayed almost as a historic event although it should have been just a current affairs, just business as usual. And in this regard, we mentioned this proposal to the President. Um, we have to think about the practicalities of our cooperation, but also about the rationale, the underlying logic of it. And we have to engage experts on bilateral relationship who know history and the background of our relationship. The idea is to create an expert council that would include political scientists, prominent diplomats and former military experts on both countries who would look for points of contact between the two countries, that would look for ways 
on putting the relationship on the trajectory of growth. In general, we are glad with the outcome of our first full-scale meeting, because previously we only um, had a chance to talk briefly on international fora. We had a good conversation with President Trump, and I hope that we start to understand each other better, and I'm grateful to Donald for, the, for it. Clearly, um, there are some challenges left when we were not able to clear all the backlog, but I think that we made the first important step in this direction. And in conclusion, I want to point out that this atmosphere of cooperation is something that we are especially grateful for to our Finnish hosts. We are grateful for Finnish people and Finnish leadership for what they've done. I know that we've caused some inconvenience to Finland and we um, apologize for it. Thank you for your attention. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I have just concluded a meeting with President Putin on a wide range of critical issues for both of our countries. We had direct, open, deeply productive dialogue went very well. Before I begin, I want to thank President Ninisto of Finland for graciously hosting today's summit. President Putin and I were saying how lovely it was and what a great job they did. I also want to congratulate Russia and President Putin for having done such an excellent job in hosting the World Cup. It was really one of the best ever. And your team also did very well. It was a great job. I'm here today to continue the proud tradition of bold American diplomacy. From the earliest days of our republic, American leaders have understood that diplomacy and engagement is preferable to conflict and hostility. A productive dialogue is not only good for the United States and good for Russia, but it is good for the world. The disagreements between our two countries are well known, and President Putin and I discussed them at length today. But if we're going to solve many of the problems facing our world, then we're going to have to find ways to cooperate in pursuit of shared interests. Too often in both recent past and long ago, we have seen the consequences when diplomacy is left on the table. We have also seen the benefits of cooperation. In the last century, our nations fought alongside one another in the Second World War. Even during the tensions of the Cold War, when the world looked much different than it does today, the United States and Russia were able to maintain a strong dialogue. But our relationship has never been worse than it is now. However, that changed as of about four hours ago. <clears throat> I really believe that. Nothing would be easier politically than to refuse to meet, to refuse to engage, but that would not accomplish anything. As president, I cannot make decisions on foreign policy in a futile effort to appease partisan critics or the media, or Democrats who want to do nothing but resist and obstruct. Constructive dialogue between the United States and Russia affords the opportunity to open new pathways toward peace and stability in our world.
I would rather take a political risk in pursuit of peace than to risk peace in pursuit of politics. As president, I will always put what is best for America and what is best for the American people. During today's meeting, I addressed directly with President Putin the issue of Russian interference in our elections. I felt this was a message best delivered in person. Spent a great deal of time talking about it. And President Putin may very well want to address it and very strongly, because he feels very strongly about it, and he has an interesting idea. We also discussed one of the most critical challenges facing humanity, nuclear proliferation. I provided an update on my meeting last month <coughs> with Chairman Kim on the denuclearization of North Korea. And after today, I am very sure that President Putin and Russia want very much to end that problem going to work with us, and I appreciate that commitment. The President and I also discussed the scourge of radical Islamic terrorism. Both Russia and the United States have suffered horrific terrorist attacks, and we have agreed to maintain open communication between our security agencies to protect our citizens from this global menace. Last year, we told Russia about a planned attack in St. Petersburg and they were able to stop it cold. They found them. They stopped them. There was no doubt about it. I appreciated President Putin's phone call afterwards to thank me. I also emphasized the importance of placing pressure on Iran to halt its nuclear ambitions and to stop its campaign of violence throughout the area and throughout the Middle East. As we discussed at length, the crisis in Syria is a complex one. Cooperation between our two countries has the potential to save hundreds of thousands of lives. I also made clear that the United States will not allow Iran to benefit from our successful campaign against ISIS. We have just about eradicated ISIS in the area. We also agreed that representatives from our national security councils will meet to follow up on all of the issues we addressed today and to continue the progress we have started right here in Helsinki. Today's meeting is only the beginning of a longer process, but we have taken the first steps toward a brighter future and one with a strong dialogue and a lot of thought. Our expectations are grounded in realism, but our hopes are grounded in America's desire for friendship, cooperation, and peace. And I think I can speak on behalf of Russia when I say that also. President Putin, I want to thank you again for joining me for these important discussions and for advancing open dialogue between Russia and the United States. Our meeting carries on a long tradition of diplomacy between Russia, the United States, for the greater good of all. And this was a very constructive day. This was a very constructive few hours that we spent together. It's in the interest of both of our countries to continue our conversation, and we have agreed to do so. I'm sure we'll be meeting again in the future.
often, and hopefully we will solve every one of the problems that we discussed today. So, again, President Putin, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Distinguished Presidents, now the journalists would have a chance to ask two questions, two uh, sets of questions each, each first. The Russian journalist will ask the question. Please give your affiliation. Good afternoon. My name is Alexei Meshkov, Interfax Information Agency. I have a question to President Trump. During your recent European tour, you've mentioned that the implementation of the North Stream 2 gas pipeline makes Europe a hostage of Russia, and you suggested that you could free Europe from this uh, by supplying American LNG. But this cold winter actually showed that the current model, current uh, mechanism of supply of fuel to Europe is quite viable. At the same time, as far as I know, US had to buy even Russian gas for Boston. I have a question. The implementation of your idea has a political tinge to it, or is it a practical one? Because there will be a gap formed in the supply and demand mechanism. And the first is the consuming countries who will fall into this gap. And the second question, before the meeting with President Putin, you called him an adversary, a rival. And yet you expressed hope that you will be able to bring this relationship to a new level. Did you manage to do this? No, actually, I called him a competitor. And a good competitor he is. Uh, and I think the word competitor is a, uh, it's a compliment. Uh, I think that uh, we will be competing when you talk about the pipeline. I'm not sure necessarily that uh, it's in the best interests of Germany or not, but that was a decision that they made. We'll be competing. As you know, the United States is now uh, or soon will be, but I think it actually is right now the largest uh, in the oil and gas world. So we're going to be selling LNG and we'll have to be competing with the pipeline. And I think we'll compete successfully, although there is a little advantage locationally. So I just wish them luck. I mean, I did. I discussed with Angela Merkel in pretty strong tones. But I also know where they're all coming from. And uh, they have a very close source. So we'll see how that all works out. But we have lots of sources now, and the United States is much different than it was a number of years ago when we weren't able to extract what we can extract today. So today we're number one in the world at that, and I think we'll be out there competing very strongly. Thank you very much. If I may, um, I throw in some two cents. We talked to Mr. President, including this subject as well. We are aware of the stance of President Trump, and I think that we, as a major oil and gas power, and the United States as a major oil and gas power as well, we could work together on regulation of international markets, because neither of us is actually interested in the plummeting of the, of the prices. And the consumers will suffer as well. And the consumers in the United States will suffer as well. And the uh, shale gas production will suffer. Because beyond a certain price bracket, it's no longer profitable to, to produce gas. But uh, nor 
we are interested in driving prices up because it will drain juices, life juices from all other sectors of the economy, from machine building, etc. So we do have space for cooperation here. That was the first thing. Then about the Nord Stream 2. Mr. President voiced his concerns about the possibility of disappearance of transit through Ukraine, and I reassured Mr. President that Russia stands ready to maintain this transit. Moreover, we stand ready to extend this transit contract that is about to expire next year in case if the dispute between the economic entities dispute will be settled in the Stockholm Arbitration Court. The first question for many U.S. journalists goes to Jeff Mason from Reuters. Thank you. Mr. President, you tweeted this morning that it's U.S. foolishness, stupidity, and the Mueller probe that is responsible for the decline in U.S. relations with Russia. Do you hold Russia at all accountable for anything in particular? And if so, what would you, what would you consider them that they are responsible for? Yes, I do. I hold uh, both countries responsible. I think that the United States has been foolish. I think we've all been foolish. We should have had this dialogue a long time ago. Uh, a long time, frankly, before I got to office. And I think we're all uh, to blame. I think that the United States now has stepped forward along with Russia and we're getting together and we have a chance to do some great things, whether it's nuclear proliferation in terms of stopping, because we have to do it. Ultimately, that's probably the most important thing that we can be working on. But uh, I do feel that uh, we have both made some mistakes. I think that the, the probe, is a disaster for our country. I think it's kept us apart. It's kept us separated. There was no collusion at all. Uh, everybody knows it. Uh, people are being brought out to the fore. Uh, so far that I know, virtually none of it related to the campaign. And they're going to have to try really hard to find somebody that did relate to the campaign. That was a clean campaign. I beat Hillary Clinton easily. And frankly, uh, we beat her. And I'm not even saying from the standpoint, we won that race. And it's a shame that there can even be a little bit of a cloud over it. Uh, people know that, people understand it. But the main thing, and we discussed this also, is zero collusion. And it has had a negative impact upon the relationship of the two largest nuclear powers in the world. We have 90% of nuclear power between the two countries. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what's going on with the probe. For President Putin, if I could follow up as well. Um, why should Americans and why should President Trump believe your statement that Russia did not intervene in the 2016 election, given the evidence that U.S. intelligence agencies have provided? And will you consider extraditing the 12 Russian officials that were indicted last week by a U.S. grand jury? Well, I'm going to let the president answer the second part of that question. But as you know, uh, the whole concept of that came up perhaps a little bit before, but it came out as a reason why the Democrats lost an election, which frankly, they should have been able to win because the Electoral College is much more advantageous for Democrats, as you know, than it is to Republicans. Uh, we won the Electoral College by a lot, 306 to 223, I believe. And uh, that was a well fought, uh, that was a well fought battle. We did a great job. And frankly, uh, 
I'm going to let the president speak to the second part of your question. But uh, just to say it one time again, and I say it all the time, uh, there was no collusion. I didn't know the president. Uh, there was nobody to collude with. There was no collusion with the campaign. And every time you hear all of these, you know, 12 and 14, it's stuff that has nothing to do. And frankly, they admit these are not people involved in the campaign. But to the average reader out there, they're saying, well, maybe that does. It doesn't. Uh, and even the people involved, some perhaps told misstories, although in one case the FBI said there was no lie. There was no lie. Somebody else said there was. Uh, we ran a brilliant campaign, and that's why I'm president. Thank you. As to who is to be believed and who is not to be believed, you can trust no one if you, if you take this. Where did you get this idea that President Trump trusts me or I trust him? He defends the interests of the United States of America, and I do defend the interests of the Russian Federation. We do have interests that are common. We are looking for points of contact. There are issues where our postures diverge, and we are looking for ways to reconcile our differences, how to make our effort more meaningful. We should not proceed from the immediate political interests that guide certain political powers in our countries. We should be guided by facts. Could you name a single fact that would definitively prove the collusion? This is utter nonsense. Just like the President recently mentioned, Yes, the public at large in the United States had a certain perceived opinion of the candidates during the campaign, but there's nothing particularly extraordinary about it. That's a usual thing. President Trump, when he was a candidate, he mentioned the need to restore the Russia-US relationship, and it's clear that certain part of American society felt sympathetic about it, and different people could express their sympathy in different ways. But isn't that natural? Isn't it natural to be sympathetic towards a person who is willing to restore the relationship with our country, who wants to work with us? We heard the accusations about the Concord country. Well, as far as I know, this company hired American lawyers, and the accusations doesn't don't have a bucket, uh, doesn't have a fighting chance in the American uh, courts. So there's no evidence when it comes to the actual facts. So we have to be guided by facts, not by rumors. Now let's uh, get back to the issue of these 12 alleged intelligence officers of, uh, of Russia. I don't know the full extent of the situation, but the President Trump mentioned this issue, and I will look into it. So far, I can say the following. The things that off the top of my head. We have an acting, an existing agreement between the United States of America and the Russian Federation, an existing treaty that dates back to 1999, uh, the mutual assistance on criminal cases. This treaty is in full effect. It works quite efficiently. On an average, we 
initiated about 100, 150 criminal cases upon requests from foreign states. Uh, for instance, the last year, uh, there was a, one extradition case upon the request sent by the United States. So this treaty has specific legal procedures. We can offer that the appropriate commission headed by, by Special Attorney Mueller, he can use this treaty as a solid foundation and send an informal, an official request to us so that we would interrogate, we would hold a questioning of these individuals who he believes are privy to some crimes. And our law enforcement are perfectly able to do this questioning and send the appropriate materials to the United States. Moreover, we can meet you halfway, we can make another step. We can actually permit official representatives of the United States, including the members of this very commission um, headed by Mr. Mueller, we can let them into the country and they will be present to this questioning. But in this case, there is, a, there is another condition. And this kind of effort should be a mutual one. Then we would expect that the Americans would reciprocate and they, they would question officials, including the um, officers of law enforcement and intelligence services of the United States, whom we believe are, who have something to do with illegal actions on the territory of Russia. And we have to, um, to request the presence of our law enforcement. For instance, we can bring up the Mr. Browder in this particular case. Business associates of Mr. Browder have earned over one and a half billion dollars in Russia. They never paid any taxes, neither in Russia nor in the United States. And yet the money escaped the country. They were transferred to the United States. They sent a huge amount of money, 400 million, as a contribution to, uh, to the campaign of Hillary Clinton. Well, that's their personal case. It might have been legal, the contribution itself, but the way the money was earned was illegal. So we have a solid reason to believe that some intelligence officers accompanied and guided these transactions. So we have a, an interest of questioning them. But we can all, that could be a first step, and we can also extend it. Options abound, and uh, they all can be found in an appropriate legal framework. And did you direct any of your officials to help him do that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Because he talked about bringing the U.S.-Russia relationship back to normal. I think there can be three questions from the Russian pool. Russia Today, you have the floor. Thank you so much. Uh, good evening to everyone. My name is Ilya Petrenko. RT TV channel. Uh, Mr. President. Uh, would you please go into the details of possibly any specific arrangements for the U.S. to work together with Russia in Syria? If any of these kind of arrangements were made today or discussed, 
И uh, если позволите, Владимир Владимирович, тоже вопрос на русском. Also, I was helping Mr. Putin in Russian court. Is it true? And how would you use this fact that they have in the ball? Well, I guess I'll answer the first part of the question. We've worked with uh, Israel long and hard for many years, many decades. I think we've never, never has anyone, any country been closer than we are. Uh, President Putin also is helping Israel, and we both spoke with. Bibi Netanyahu, and they would like to do certain things with respect to Syria, having to do with the safety of Israel. So in that respect, we absolutely would like to work in order to help Israel, and Israel will be working with us, so both countries would work jointly. And I think that uh, when you look at all of the progress that's been made in certain sections with the eradication of ISIS, we're about 98%, 99% there, and other things that have taken place that we've done, and that, frankly, Russia has helped us with in certain respects. But I think that uh, working with uh, Israel is a great thing, and creating safety for Israel is something that both President Putin and I would like to see very much. Uh, one little thing I might add to that is the uh, helping of people. Helping of people, because you have such horrible, uh, if, if you see, and I've seen reports, and I've seen pictures, I've seen just about everything. And if we can do something to help the people of Syria get back into some form of shelter and uh, on a humanitarian basis, and that's what the word was, really, a humanitarian basis, I think that both of us would be very interested in doing that, and we are, we will do that. Thank you very much. Excuse me, but for now, no specific agreements, for, for instance, between the militaries. Well, our militaries do get along. In fact, our militaries actually have gotten along probably better than our political leaders for years. But our militaries do get along very well, and they do coordinate uh, in Syria and other places. Okay? Thank you. Yes, we did mention this. We mentioned the humanitarian track of this issue. Yesterday, I discussed this with French President Mr. Macron, and we reached an agreement that together with European countries, including France, we will step up this effort. On our behalf, we provide military cargo aircraft to deliver the humanitarian uh, cargo. And today, I brought up this issue with uh, President Trump. I think there is plenty of things to, uh, to look into. The crucial thing here is that a huge amount of uh, refugees are in Turkey, in Lebanon, in Jordan, in the states that border are adjacent to Syria. If we help uh, help them, the migratory pressure upon the European states will drop, will be decreased manifold. And I believe it's crucial from any point of view, from humanitarian point of view, from the point of view of, of helping people, helping the refugees. And in general, I agree, I concur with President Trump, our military cooperate quite successfully together. They do get along, and I hope they will be able 
able to do so in future. We will keep working in the Astana format, I mean Russia, Turkey and Iran, which I informed President Trump about. But we do stand ready to link these efforts to the so-called so small group of states so that the process would be a broader one, it would be a multidimensional one, and so that we will be able to maximize our fighting chance to, to get the, the ultimate success in the, in the issue of Syria. And speaking about the, having the ball in our court in Syria, President Trump has just mentioned that we've successfully concluded the World Football Cup. Speaking of the football, actually, Mr. President, I'll give this ball to you, and now the ball is in your court. All the more that the United States will host the World Cup in 2026. Thank you. That's right. Thank you very much. We do host it, and we hope we do as good a job. That's very nice. That will go to my son, Baron. We have no question. In fact, Melania, here you go. <laughs> Okay. The final question from the United States will go to Jonathan Lemire from the AP. Thank you. Uh, question for each president. President Trump, please, you first. Um, just now, President Putin denied having anything to do with the election interference in 2016. Every U.S. intelligence agency has concluded that Russia did. What, who, my first question for you, sir, is who do you believe? My second question is, would you now, with the whole world watching, tell President Putin, would you denounce what happened in 2016, and would you warn him to never do it again? So let me just say that we have two thoughts. You have groups that are wondering why the FBI never took the server. Why haven't they taken the server? Why was the FBI told to leave the office of the Democratic National Committee? I've been wondering that. I've been asking that for months and months, and I've been tweeting it out and calling it out on social media. Where is the server? I want to know where is the server and what is the server saying? With that being said, all I can do is ask the question. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, he just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be, but I really do want to see the server. Uh, but I have, uh, I have confidence in both parties. I, I really believe that this will probably go on for a while, but I don't think it can go on without finding out what happened to the server. What happened to the servers of the Pakistani gentlemen that worked on the DNC. Where are those servers? They're missing. Where are they? What happened to Hillary Clinton's emails? 33,000 emails, gone, just gone. I think in Russia they wouldn't be gone so easily. I think it's a disgrace that we can't get Hillary Clinton's 33,000 emails. So I have great confidence in my intelligence people, but uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. And what he did is an incredible offer. He offered to have the people working on the case come and work with their investigators with respect to the 12 people. I think that's an incredible offer. Okay, thank you. I'd like to add something to this. After all, I was an intelligence officer myself. 
и знаю, как составляются соответствующие досье. Это первое. Второе. Я считаю Россию демократическим государством. Constitute the Russian state. It does not represent the Russian state. And I brought several examples before. Well, you have a lot of individuals in the United States. Take George Soros, for instance, with multi-billion capitals. But it does it make him his position, his posture, the posture of the United States? No, it does not. Well, it's the same case. There is the issue of trying a case in the court. And the final, uh, the, the final say is for the court to deliver. We are now talking about the private, in, the, the, the individuals, and not about particular states. And as far as the most recent allegation is concerned about the Russian intelligence officers, we do have an intergovernmental treaty. Please do send us the request. We will analyze it properly and will send a formal response. And as I said, we can extend this cooperation, but we should do it on a reciprocal basis, because we would await our Russian counterparts to provide us access to the persons of interest for us, who, who we believe can have something to do with the intelligence services. Let's discuss the specific issues and not use the Russia and the US relationship as a loose change, the loose change for this internal political struggle. A question for President for President Putin. Thank you. Uh, two questions for you, sir. Can you tell me what President Trump may have indicated to you about officially recognizing Crimea as part of Russia? And then secondly, sir, do you, does the Russian government have any compromising material on President Trump or his family? Значит, <laughs> <laughs> President Trump and uh, well, posture of President Trump on Crimea is well known and he stands firmly by it. He continued to maintain that uh, it was illegal to annex it. We, our viewpoint is different. We held a referendum in strict compliance with the UN Charter and the international legislation. For us, this issue, we put paid to this issue. And now to the compromising material. Yeah, I did hear these rumors that we allegedly collected compromising material on Mr. Trump when he was visiting Moscow. Well, distinguished colleague, let me tell you this. When President Trump visited Moscow back then, I didn't even know that he was in Moscow. I treat President Trump with utmost respect. But back then, when he was a private individual, a businessman, nobody informed me that he was in Moscow. Well, let's take St. Petersburg Economic Forum, for instance, there were over 500 American businessmen, the high-ranking
the high-level ones, I don't even remember the last names of each and every one of them. Well, do you remember, do you think that we try to collect compromising material on each and every single one of them? Well, it's difficult to imagine uh, another nonsense of a bigger scale than this. Well, please, just disregard these issues and don't think about this anymore again. And I have to say, if they had it, it would have been out long ago. And if anybody watched Peter Strzok testify over the last couple of days, and I was in Brussels watching it, it was a disgrace to the FBI, it was a disgrace to our country, and you would say that was a total witch hunt. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. All righty, that was uh, that was something uh, to behold, huh? You think the media is uh, is going to say everything is good? We're all good. We're, we're happy about the, all the media. The, the Never Trumpers are already attacking. We'll get to all this. Get your reaction as well. Don't go anywhere. It is KNST. Jobs app today. Wow, nine oh seven. It's a Monday. What a Monday. July 16th, Gary Lewis with you, KNST AM 790, Tucson's most stimulating talk. Now, there are three things I think you need to know. Number one, uh, Trump just had a press conference. If you were listening, we carried it for the whole hour uh, with Putin, and uh, Putin denied any kind of election meddling. Putin admitted up front that Trump pressed him on it in their private meeting. Not good enough for the media, though, that hates Trump. Still not good enough. Uh, Trump was asked... Uh, if he believed Putin, and he said um, he said that uh, he has two ideas, two thoughts. He believes both parties, but he wants to know what happened to the Pakistani gentleman, which is true, the one that worked for Debbie Wasserman Schultz in the DNC. Why, you know, the servers they hacked, where are they? Why didn't they turn them over? Where are Hillary's emails? All this stuff. Media just wants to literally ignore that. Anyway, we'll get more on that. Second thing. I think you need to know, by the way, Trump did say that uh, both countries are responsible for their relationship and things that have that have happened. Second thing, and people can't take that. Second thing that I think you need to know uh, is that the economy looks like it is doing great. Retail sales are out and uh, it is up significantly, which uh, experts are saying is going to lead to a strong second quarter GDP number. Also, the amount of people that were working part time because their hours were cut or couldn't find a full time job. In 2010, 8.6 million. This year, June of 2018, 4.7 million, lowest since December of 07. Third thing that I think you need to know Trump's approval, according to Rasmussen, holding at 45%. Zogby, a pollster, said he says that Trump will win easily in 2020. Some people just know how to win. Trump does. He said he will uh, beat tw- uh, any 2020 liberal decisively. Three things I think you need to know um there was a lot by the way and you can comment and we've got goodrich to talk to you 880-KNST, 880-5678 goodrich don't screw this up i'm just kidding uh what did you think about that press conference with the trumpster and putin one of the things that i don't know why the media is like ignoring this and and the, i'll tell you what the haters are saying the haters there's no satisfying them but did you hear the part where putin said that hillary there there was a an investigation there was extradition, one extradition case last year by the United States. It was a treaty. People can be extradited, but then guess what? He wants to uh, interrogate our officers, which is not good. Um, apparently, some guy named Browder 
$400 million was donated to Hillary Clinton. What is this even possible? Is this truthful? I'll play that for you in a second. Then I love this, right? The American media focused on scandals. Russian media asked questions. American media asked, do you have any dirt, any videotapes, any dirt on Trump, any material that could hurt him? That was just that was just one of the questions that was asked. Uh, they stuck with the scandals because they just want to they just want to try to find garbage to uh, to mess with the president. That's what I took from this, right? That's what I took, and I was tweeting while this was on. Um, one of the things I found hilarious is that the media and the experts have been saying for a long time you can't trust Putin, can't trust him. You don't like him, can't trust a thing he's saying, former KGB, blah, 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 everything, right? One reporter actually asked, did you want Donald Trump to win? Putin said yes, because he wanted to normalize relationships with uh, between Russia and America. So the media went around telling you, me, and everybody that would listen, you can't trust Putin, Trump shouldn't trust him, can't trust him. They asked Putin, did you, want, did you want Trump to win? Yes. Now you believe him. Now, now, now all of a sudden, Putin is the most believable guy. And listen, this just adds to it. This just sows discord. Of course I wanted Trump to win. See, he wanted him to win. They obviously worked together. That's what they were wanting. That's what they were wanting. Can't believe the guy? Now believable. You tell me. Putin's full of it. Trump knows this. When they're meeting behind closed doors, and again, Putin started out the press conference, and he said, uh, Trump asked me about meddling in the elections. We, I told him we never would. The Russian state never interfered, and we never will. We know he's full of it. Trump knows he's full of it, too. Like Trump said uh, last week at NATO, with what, actually with Theresa May, there's not going to be a Perry Mason moment where all of a sudden Putin's like, you know what? You got me. It was us. We did it. I mean, it's not a Law & Order episode where all of a sudden somebody just... Starts singing like a canary. He's not going to do it. He's always going to lie. He's a communist. He's a KGB spy in charge of Russia. He hates America. Nothing's going to happen. So, if uh, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, uh, Putin denies this, what's the point with Trump saying, you're a liar, you're this, you're that? How's that going to be for relations? Huh? How's that going to be to get what we want? Throw me up over there if you don't mind real quick. Um... This is something that I found to be very interesting. Talk about extradition, everything else. Putin, through a translator, said this. For instance, we can bring up the Mr. Mr. Browder in this particular case. Business associates of Mr. Browder have earned over one and a half billion dollars in Russia. They never paid any taxes, neither in Russia nor in the United States. And yet the money escaped the country. They were transferred to the United States. They sent huge amount of money, 400 million, as a contribution to uh, to the campaign of Hillary Clinton. Oh, well, that's what? their personal case. It might have been legal, the contribution itself, but the way the money was earned was illegal. So we have a solid reason to believe that some intelligence officers accompanied and guided these transactions. Whoa! So we have a, an interest of questioning them. So all of a sudden, I mean, do you believe Putin? Do you not believe Putin? He's saying, I mean, Russia colluding with Trump. You had Russians 
giving Hillary $400 million? And of course, I, I don't believe Putin as far as I can throw him, though. Let's take it, let's take it down a notch. I think he's saying this just to, uh, just to sow discord again, to not believe our intelligence agencies when it comes to that kind of stuff. All of a sudden, our intelligence agencies were helping to make that happen. I mean, granted, you see Stroke and Trump brings this up. The FBI, they were working behind the scenes to take down Trump. If you don't know the story also, by the way, about the Pakistani man Trump brought up, he was a uh, computer geek. He was a uh, big-time uh, computer geek for the DNC in charge of, uh, their, well, everything. You know, if they had an IT problem, they went to this guy. Uh, he has now escaped to Pakistan. They're trying to bring him back. Debbie Wasserman Schultz knew of this guy. He, this, this, the Daily Caller has been doing great work, the, the website Daily Caller, about this. Um, and Trump's bringing it up. Wait, how come we haven't seen the servers? We have 12 Russians indicted on Friday. They say that these 12 Russians, uh, hacked the DNC servers. The DNC never turned the servers over to the FBI. Do you want fake news for you right after this? Pete Williams of NBC news right after this whole situation took place, this Trump Putin summit, you know what he said on NBC? Of course, the FBI did have access to the server, the DNC server. That is not true. Jim Comey testified last year in the case of the Democratic National Committee, the DNC. We, meaning the FBI, did not have access to the devices themselves. We got relevant forensic information from a private party, but we didn't get direct access. That's a big deal. The media keeps pushing lies. They continue to do this over and over and over and over again. Trump makes legitimate claims. Legitimate claims. About the media, the witch hunt, everything. Right? He makes legitimate claims of how... There is, I mean, it, there's just, there's not much to the whole situation when it comes to um, our big shots in our intelligence agencies trying to take down Trump and that kind of stuff. Matter of fact, just in case you missed that part, um, throw me up over there if you don't mind, Goodrich. This was the question. Reporter stands up. President Trump, you first. Just now, Putin denied having any involvement in the election of 2016. My first question, who do you believe? Would you now, with the whole world watching, tell uh, tell the president that you announced what happened in 2016, you denounce it, and you warn him to never do it again? And this is Trump. Ready? say that we have two thoughts. You have groups that are wondering why the FBI never took the server. Why haven't they taken the server? Why was the FBI told to leave the office of the Democratic National Committee. I've been wondering that. I've been asking that for months and months, and I've been tweeting it out and calling it out on social media. Where is the server? I want to know where is the server and what is the server saying? Yep. With that being said, all I can do is ask the question. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, he just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be, but I really do want to see the server. Uh, but I have, uh, I have 
confidence in both parties. I, I really believe that this will probably go on for a while, but I don't think it can go on without finding out what happened to the server. What happened to the servers of the Pakistani gentleman that worked on the DNC? Where are those servers? They're missing. Where yep. are they? What happened to Hillary Clinton's emails? Yep. 33,000 emails, gone, just gone. I think in Russia they wouldn't be gone so easily. I think it's a disgrace that we can't get Hillary Clinton's 33,000 mm -hmm. emails. So I have great confidence in my intelligence people, but uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. And what he did is an incredible offer. He offered to have the people working on the case come and work with their investigators with respect to the 12 people. I think that's an incredible offer. Think about it. Again, the haters are out there saying this is the most embarrassing thing. This is embarrassing. You have the guy right there. He's in on it. It's embarrassing. They were never saying how embarrassing it was that Hillary was a part of the approval process to sell Russia uranium, for God's sakes. Or Obama to give lots and lots of money in the middle of the night to Iran. Right? Lots and lots of money. What about, again, Obama shutting down, and I brought about this, I brought up this in the 7 o'clock hour, shutting down the, well, any kind of investigation to stop anything, anything to stop Russia from cyber attacking us. This, the, the person in charge for Obama of cyber attacks, for goodness sakes, they said in, in 2015, you know what? His cyber chief confirmed Russia is attacking us. And Obama told him to stand down against Russian cyber attacks. This was confirmed in the summer of 2016. Obama, before the election, stand down. I can't say this enough. Michael Daniel, White House cybersecurity coordinator. He told, uh, he told a Senate panel. We were told, stand down. Stand, Obama ordered us to stand down. Put this on the back burner. Stand down. Don't, go, don't try to figure this out. Don't try to stop Russia. Stand down. Where's the outrage there? 880-KNST, 880-5678. You can hit me up on uh, email as well, garrett at knst.com. Uh, you could also hit me up on uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, you name it, and the good old-fashioned phone. Imagine that. 880-KNST, 880-5678. There is a lot uh, to talk about with this whole situation. And again, the haters are hating. I don't understand. They just hate Trump so much. Why can't Trump just say, listen, after all the things that have happened, with our intelligence agencies, the FBI people up top literally trying to take me out, spying on me, lying about it with a fake dossier. All of a sudden, the media is putting the FBI and these other big shots up in charge of them on this pedestal when they don't, they don't deserve to be there. They don't deserve to be there at all. And for Trump to say that, oh, how can he doubt our intelligence? Are you kidding me? We'll continue. Morning Ritual, Garrett Lewis, KNST AM 792, sounds most stimulating talk. Nine twenty nine. thanks for hanging out. Garrett Lewis with you. Going to be 93 thunderstorms out there. Um, 
So Obama does a deal with a country, just real quick. He does a deal with a country, Iran, that chants death to America, and the media applauds the deal. They actually take talking points given by the Obama administration reported as fact. That's applauded. That's okay. If Trump, who's trying to get the upper hand with Putin, and you don't get the upper hand, let me ask you something. You ever get the upper hand by insulting people to their face? That ever happen? You catch more flies with honey? Then you do a vinegar. I mean, you know this. We know this. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, Jeff Flake. Holy smokes. Uh, Jeff Flake tweeted out. And this was this was cracking me up. I read. I I tweeted back at him because I you know I know what eats at him. He follows me. Um, he just tweeted. I never thought I would see the day when our American president would stand on the stage with the Russian president and place blame on the United States for Russian aggression. This is shameful. Um, do you ever, first off, did you condemn Obama for apologizing on his big apology tour? He blamed America for everything. Uh, you were, you were excited. You said that Obama called you and said, you know, basically, thank you for, for, for doing what you're doing against Trump. He said that we played the audio when he did an interview on CNN, you know, did with, with David Axelrod on top of that, uh, you ever think that maybe Trump blames America for Russian aggression because America didn't try to strike back against and America being led by Obama didn't try to strike back against Putin to try to stop him from from doing those things? Dude is delusional. Flat out 100% delusional. And I love this. Put me up over there real quick. I just want to play one more uh, highlight. This is the American media for you. Here we go. Trump answers a question well, and it's not good enough. Here we go. Listen to this. Question for President, for President Putin. Thank you. Uh, two questions for you, sir. Can you tell me what President Trump may have indicated to you about officially recognizing Crimea as part of Russia? And then secondly, sir, do you, does the Russian government have any compromising material on President Trump or his family? <laughs> Like uh, the uh, dossier where apparently Trump uh, peed on a bed uh, or had two Russian hookers pee on a bed where Obama slept. It's a way to get revenge. Listen. (laughs) That's all our media cares about, by the way. That's all they care about. President Trump and uh, posture of President Trump on Crimea is well known. And he stands firmly by it. He continued to maintain that uh, it was illegal to annex it. We, our viewpoint is different. We held a referendum in strict compliance with the UN Charter. And- Did you catch that, though? Yeah, on Crimea, uh, President Trump understands firmly and he continues to maintain it was illegal. Crickets. Crickets from the media. The international legislation. For us, this issue, we put paid to this issue. And now to the compromising material. Yeah, I did heard these rumors that we allegedly collected compromising material on Mr. Trump when he was visiting Moscow. Well, distinguished colleague, let me tell you this. When President Trump visited Moscow back then, I didn't even know that he was in Moscow. Oh, no. I treat 
President Trump with utmost respect. But back then, when he was a private individual, a businessman, nobody informed me that he was in Moscow. Well, let's take St. Petersburg Economic Forum, for instance. There were over 500 American businessmen, the high-ranking, the high-level ones. I don't even remember the last names of each and every one of them. Well, do you remember, do you think that we try to collect compromising material on each and every single one of them? Well, it's difficult to imagine uh, another nonsense of a bigger scale than this. <laughs> nonsense. Well, please, just disregard these issues and don't think about this anymore again. Wow. It's difficult to imagine nonsense on a bigger scale than this. And this is what John McCain handed over to Jim Comey in that dossier. Crickets. Everybody else. Media's terrible. Uh, look, the whole collusion thing, and I don't know why the media doesn't get it. If Russia did meddle, again, Putin screwing around, I think. I wanted Trump to win. No, he didn't. There's no way in hell he wanted Trump to win. Hillary, all Russia can do, the biggest asset they have is their energy. And he knew that Hillary was going to stop any kind of drilling. Hillary was going to stop any kind of exploration. And that would have helped Russia because they would have had less competitors on the energy market. Now we're huge, thanks to Trump. So give me a break. Give me a break. 880-KNST, 880-5670. We'll get to you. I have more highlights, more things to say. 934, here's Fox. Relation. Ba, 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 ba. 943. All right, Gary Lewis with you. Three things I think you need to know. Number one, uh, the president, uh, President Trump and Putin had a press conference uh, where right off the bat, Putin said, uh, we never interfered, we will never interfere in U.S. elections, which is... It's laughable. It's very, very, very laughable. Don't get me wrong about that. But the media is having a meltdown uh, because they, no matter what Trump said, it was never going to be a win. Never going to be a win. Uh, I thought Trump handled himself. He's trying to get deals. He's trying to make this stuff happen. And our media asks questions about, do you have any compromising pictures of Trump? Any material? Mm -hmm, We'll get into that. Second thing that I think you need to know, our economy is booming. Uh, why? Shh, don't tell anybody. Shh, the economy's doing well. Retail sales in the second quarter came out, and they are strong, and uh, experts are predicting, you know what this means? A strong GDP number for the second quarter, our gross domestic product. Third thing, I think you need to know, Trump holding steady 45% approval uh, when it comes to uh, the Rasmussen poll. John Zogby, the pollster, said Trump's going to basically destroy any 2020 liberal candidate that comes his way because he knows how to win. Three things I think you need to know. Now, um, this is my prediction. I have a bunch of predictions after all this. You can agree, disagree, whatever you want to do. Um, Trump supporters are going to think he was great, and he called out everything that needed to be called out that gets literally ignored, literally ignored by the media. Again, the fact that uh, you had that Pakistani guy and the DNC, and they hired their servers, and they never turned the servers over. Never once did they turn the servers over to the FBI. And we came out, found out on Friday, 12 Russians were indicted for hacking DNC servers. How can the DNC not turn it over to the FBI? Why is that not? A, why, what are they afraid? What would they find? Something tied to that Pakistani guy that has fled the country, that was Debbie Wasserman Schultz, IT guy, and then the IT guy for the DNC. That guy could have been, he could have been a spy. Mm-hmm. Absolute spy. So, yeah, you have that. You have Putin right away again saying nothing ever happened. 
Nothing ever happened. Oh, by the way, I want to ask when, do you want Hillary to win? Yeah. Uh, no, no, sorry. We don't want Trump to win. Yeah, I want Trump to win. Totally wanted Trump to win. Because he'd have brought relations back. So again, the media is going to jump on that and say, see this collusion. Putin, he, he said that. How can you not believe him? Yet, again, leading up to this, Trump can't be stupid enough to believe anything Putin says. So which Putin do you believe? Which Putin do you believe? Uh, again, the haters are going to hate Trump no matter what. The people that support Trump are going to think he did just fine. Because we know, and we're right, by the way. We know. Um, and I don't, I don't get this. I think, I think the media, and I'm looking at all these comments, Neil Cavuto of Fox, who's not a Trump fan, says that this press conference set us back a lot and was disgusting. Was the same reaction there when Obama lied about Benghazi and gave money to Iran? I mean, that's what we think of, right? It doesn't make us wrong. So you have that. Um, when it comes to when it comes to the the media, they're going to try to make this so convoluted, so so boring. So they want to make it so hard to understand that you don't look into it for yourself and you must just believe what they have to say. Remember, this is the same media that what 99% of them at least said Trump had no chance to win the election. They all laughed at him. They were all wrong. Now when they all of a sudden all say the same thing, Trump embarrassed us. This was terrible. Anderson Cooper said this was the most disgraceful performance by an American president. Again, we hear that. We see that. And we think back to Obama getting caught on a hot mic in 2012, right before the election against Romney, telling Medvedev, who ran Russia at the time, before Putin got back into official power, and he said, uh, uh, please, uh, you know, we, uh, uh, we'll have more, have more flexibility after this election. Please let uh, Vladimir know that. He goes, I will transmit that to Vladimir. Caught on a hot mic saying, I'll be much easier to, I'll have much more flexibility to do whatever I want to do after this election. I can't say it because I won't win, but I'll, afterwards I'm good. Didn't realize the mics were on. And again, Obama called off his cybersecurity chief, said, stop looking into this whole situation. Stand, stand down when it came to Russia hacking the DNC and trying to hack the RNC and everybody else. So the media asked Trump, how can you not believe our intelligence agencies? Our intelli- Putin's denying that he was involved, Russia was involved at all. Our intelligence agencies say yes. And by the way, the media is already saying 17 intelligence agencies. No, it was three out of 17 that said they thought that Russia was involved. But anyway, we all think Russia was involved. But they're saying, how can you, how can you sit there and believe Putin when he says no, we had nothing to do with it, nothing at all, blah, 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 blah. And you don't believe our own people. Again, the FBI put up a phony friggin' dossier to try to get a warrant to spy on Trump. Why the hell would he believe the FBI? Matter of fact, throw me up over there. This is part of it that I thought it was great. And, of course, the rest of the media thinks, well, some of the media, most of the, the fake news media 
thinks that it's a disgrace. Here we go. Listen think about this. this anymore again. Listen, 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 listen. And, and I have to say, if they had it, it would have been out long ago. And if anybody watched Peter Strzok testify over the last couple of days, and I was in Brussels watching it, it was a disgrace to the FBI. It was a disgrace yeah. to our country. And you would say that was a total witch hunt. Thank you very much, everybody. The media is flipping out over that. Absolutely just tripping over themselves. Again, I don't think that I'm a stupid person. I think that I actually uh, have a good feel for things, and I just don't get the reactions. As a matter of fact, throw me up over there. This is Anderson Cooper Good. right after everything Thank stopped. Thank you very much, yeah, here everybody. We go, here we go. Thank Everyone's you. Everyone's over. Anderson Cooper. Uh, you have been watching perhaps one of the most disgraceful performances by an American president uh, at a summit in front of a Russian leader. Uh, Certainly that I've ever seen. By the way, how about that for uh, not being biased? And you wonder why Trump calls CNN fake news. And they canceled interviews with CNN with some of Trump's people in the White House. Are you kidding me? I got uh, an extraordinary uh, press conference. Um, I'm back with CNN Global Affairs analyst Susan Glasser, CNN senior political analyst David Gergen, CNN chief international anchor Christian Amanpour. Christian, Just the president, Just uh, given the opportunity... Give, asked by a reporter, an American reporter, who he trusted uh, on the issue of Russian meddling, the U.S. intelligence community, or Vladimir Putin, uh, he blinked and he went to Hillary Clinton's email server, uh, asked to he who said, was holds responsible. He says, I hold both countries responsible. I think we are all to blame. We have a chance to do some great things. And again, Obama said, stop investigating Russia for attacking us through cyber. Why wouldn't Trump say we're all responsible? I don't get this. Made no mention of Georgia, shoot down of a Malaysian plane, Crimea, Ukraine. By the way, no reporter asked about that either, by the way. What'd they ask about? Did you meddle? How do you trust us? Do you have any any material on Trump? Uh, And election interference. In fact, he went on to say all he can do is ask the question about election interference, that Vladimir Putin uh, was very powerful in his denial of it, and the president went on to say he doesn't see any reason why it would have been Russia who interfered in the I think the that was the nut graph. I don't see any reason why it would have been Russia. This is also a woman that uh, brought on the head of uh, J- Jens Stoltenberg from NATO, the NATO president, and said, how bad was it, this whole thing with Trump? And he actually he came back and goes, actually wasn't bad. Trump brought up some great points. Uh, uh, it was actually a very good summit, uh, thanks to President Trump's leadership, and she was just dumbfounded. But these are the experts on the fake news. These are the absolute experts. 952, I have more to get off my chest, and then Russia's going to take over. Don't go anywhere. Morning ritual, Garrett Lewis. KNST AM 790, Tucson's most stimulating talk. It's all talking to our biggest enemy or adversary or competitor. I I don't know how we define them these days. Remember when uh, Obama and the media laughed at Romney for saying Russia's our biggest enemy? Now all of a sudden, Obama was wrong. Romney's right there. Shh. Disgusting. Look him in the eye and say that. Uh, after, by the way, on Friday, they said that uh, the indictments, what the Russians did, had no impact on our election whatsoever. And we still can't figure out. Again, we, we had Democrats getting a, a dossier to the FBI that caused spying all from Russian agents as well. Russia's next.